Jacob was in Egypt. He was growing old. And his son Joseph knew that he had but a short time. Now in those days, there was a very special custom for godly men to bless their sons. And as you study the Bible, you see that these blessings were effective. They were, well, I mean, just look at how much Jacob and Esau valued the blessing of their father. Look at Jacob when he died. In chapter 49, before he died, he blessed all of his sons. And compare the blessing to how their lives turned out, and there's a remarkable parallel. The blessing meant something. By the way, a blessing always means something from someone who knows God. You know, if when when uh, we we can certainly overuse the phrase "God bless you," but when you know what you're saying, it means something. And uh, you know, if if uh, if Doctor Tom Williams wants to say uh, to me, "God bless you, Brother Joe," which he's he's probably said to you as well, "God bless you, Brother Joe." Well, coming from him, that means something. Coming from somebody that doesn't believe in God, if they want to say God bless you, that doesn't mean anything. But from somebody that knows God, that's, uh, that's, that's a special thing. A blessing is an important thing. That's very true in the Bible. And so Jacob said, well, dad's uh, getting old and I want my sons to be blessed by my father. And so he brings them in and uh, asks his dad to bless his sons. His son's name were names were Manasseh and Ephraim. Manasseh was the older of the two. Ephraim was the younger. There was something else that was of importance to uh, people, and that was that the right hand represented your strength, and your left hand represented your weakness. And so when he brought his sons to to, um, his father to be blessed, and if you guys could help me out, that will help me to illustrate this. Joseph brought his two sons, and uh, because he wanted his older son to be blessed with the right-hand blessing, he brought him in on his left side. If you could picture, uh, Jose, why don't you come up here, and you can be Joseph for us, all right? So Joseph comes in, so he's bringing, and stand right in between them behind, all right, so, so here's, uh, here's uh, well, he is Joseph, only he's, uh, he's a Puerto Rican Joseph, so he was Jose. And so here comes, here comes Jose uh, in Genesis 48, and he's bringing his two sons. And um, he wants his older son to be blessed with Jacob's right hand. And so he puts his older son Manasseh on his left side, so will he, he will be on his father's right-hand side. And he puts his, his younger son, Ephraim, on his right-hand side so that he will be on his father's left-hand side. Joseph knew what he was doing. He lined them up just like he wanted them. And uh, pushed them forward just a little bit there. Joseph, all right, very good. And Manasseh, if you could hold the microphone up here, that would help me. Go right up here. There we go. So Jacob reaches out. Now, Jacob knew all about the older, younger son thing. Because he was the younger of twins. And so Jacob had lived a good portion of his life thinking it's not fair just because one guy's born first that he should get the blessing. I guarantee you that fed into 
Jacob's thinking. And there's another reason I'll tell you about in a little bit. So they came in, and Joseph was expecting this. I won't mess up the dues, don't worry. Joseph was expecting this. And instead, his father did this. And he started to pray. And Joseph saw that, and Joseph reached out and and started to move his father's hands. said, no, you, you got them mixed up, Dad. And Jacob said, no, I know what I'm doing. He said, your younger son is going to get the right hand blessing. Your older son's going to be great also. But God has something very special for your younger son. And so he prayed like this. Now, that's great. Isn't that? That's a great story. Isn't it? I mean, it's a great thing that happened there. Unless your name is Manasseh. Everybody in this story, oh, it's blessed. It's a wonderful thing. And I mean, Ephraim, you got nothing to complain about, bro. But if your name is Manasseh, You might have something to complain about. You can be seated. Thank you. Because Manasseh, if he thought about it at all, and and by the way, I realize that they may have been very small to not even realize what was going on because it says that he brought them out from between his knees, Joseph did. So they were probably smaller, but... There certainly came a day when they understood that story. There certainly came a day when everybody understood that story. It, it was the kind of thing that becomes, let me, you, you should hear something that, that uh, grandpa did one time. It, it became legendary that he blessed his grandsons like that. And so there was certainly potential as Manasseh got older to think to himself, I got a left-handed blessing. I was supposed to get the right-handed blessing. But I got a left-handed blessing. Have you ever looked at your life and also looked at somebody else's life and felt like you got a left-handed blessing? You compared your circumstances to someone else's circumstances. You compared your background to somebody else's background. And said, man, I was handed a left-handed blessing. I didn't ask for this. I didn't chart my own course here. I was given the circumstances Not by my own choosing of a left-handed blessing. Someone else has the model home. And I'm from a broken home. I've got a left-handed blessing. Somebody else, they just seem to have perfect peace at their house. And you'd have, if if whatever dysfunctional means, it's it's got to apply to our house. I got a left-handed blessing. They just seem to, I mean, they've, they've got the big old house. They've got the, the, the brand new cars, a couple of them all the time. 
They've got all the toys, all the gadgets. They've got the vacations every year. They've been to all these fancy places and they've got the fancy clothes. Man, we're barely getting by. And and I'm, I'm just a kid. Or I was just a kid at the time and that's what I was handed. I got a left-handed blessing. Maybe, I'm not trying to be funny here, but especially when you're younger, you, you, you compare looks and you say, man, I, you know, she's just so impressive. Everybody thinks she's, you know, when people look at her, they, they say pretty, they say beautiful, and they don't ever say that about me. And I'm not trying to be funny or unkind. I'm just, these are the thoughts that, you know, Everybody just thinks he's, he's good at everything he does. And, or he's, he's so athletic and he's so good looking. And I just, the compliments that he gets, I never get those compliments. I'm never the person in the crowd that people are attracted to. I'm the person in the crowd that people don't even tend to notice that I'm there. People always remember her, but they don't even remember my name. I got a left-handed blessing. It's not fair. Maybe in the personality department. I mean, they just, uh, that person, they just, he just always knows what to say. He's always got the joke. She just knows. She's so charming. And I, I, you know, I bore people. Or here's this one. And this, I've heard a number of times over the years we've had this happen that somebody gets saved in their 30s or their 40s. And they're excited about it. I mean, they're just so glad they're They're saved. And then they take a trip with us somewhere like pastor school or youth conference. This happened a number of times when we take somebody who was, who was saved as an adult and they'd go with us and they'd see Howes Anderson College for the first time. And not just the campus, but the lifestyle. And they'd never been in that environment before where people are genuinely kind and loving and it's just, wow, there's just a spirit. And that same person that was so excited all the way, the drive all the way out, is like, just gets quiet. And later on you find out, here's your thoughts. You know, if I'd gotten saved when I was your age, Pastor, or your age, Miss Amy, I would have gone to a Christian college. Why? Why did God not let me get saved till I was 35? I missed out. All the years, and it's, it's, it's really it's heartbreaking that folks will just really get stuck on this thing of, I missed out! I know if I'd been raised in a Christian home, I'd have your life, Pastor. No, I'm not even going to address that yet because we're not there yet. 
But you can see the flawed thinking there, can't you? Hey, there's lots of folks that are raised in a Christian home that don't get saved at all. But let's keep moving. Everyone in this room, everyone has cause to think that you've been given a left-handed blessing. Somebody else got the right hand, you got the left hand. Everyone has cause to think that. One of Satan's greatest tricks, one of his greatest lies and most effective lies is nobody has it as bad as you do. You've got it worse than anybody. All that is is another way of saying, hey, you got a left-handed blessing, buddy. He got your right hand, and uh, you got the left that he was supposed to get. Left-handed blessing. In case you're sitting here tonight thinking that you've got a left-handed blessing like Manasseh did, I want to remind you of a few things. First of all, you only feel slighted when you start comparing. See, now by the way, and I'll address this in a minute, Manasseh, there's no indication that Manasseh ever felt this way, what we're discussing tonight. All we're addressing tonight is what Manasseh could have been tempted to think, but there's no indication that he ever felt slighted. So we're addressing a theory here, a hypothesis. But if there, if there were no Ephraim, Manasseh never would have noticed. If Jacob just called Joseph and said, hey, bring your son, and if he only had one son, or if he said, bring them in separately, and they came in one at a time, and Jacob had given Manasseh the left-hand blessing, Joseph would have noticed. Manasseh never would have noticed. And I say again, it's important to say, there's no indication he ever did notice. But we notice, I notice. And I'm pointing out to you that Manasseh could have said, hey, this isn't fair. I was supposed to get the right hand. How come he got it? How come I got stuck with the left hand blessing? But if he had blessed them one at a time, if there were no Ephraim in the room, he wouldn't have noticed it. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. You see, you only feel slighted when you start comparing. It's always sad when a kid thinks he has a great life until you know some, num- some new neighbor moves in and they've got a spoiled, rotten kid. And the son goes over. And, of course, the, there's some things that the son doesn't see. The son doesn't see. <laughs> Maybe one reason the new neighbor just moved in is because they had to leave the last place. The son doesn't see the, the, the value, the virtues of staying in one place your whole life. Not that moving is wrong, but there is a certain stability and a strength that, that is a blessing that comes with staying in one place your whole life. And, but this kid doesn't see that because all he can see is, oh, man, the new kid that moved in, he's got a minibike. 
They still do mini bikes. Is that a thing? Um, that's what I coveted when I was a boy. Um, boy, the, the new kid that moved in, he's got, the, you know, he's got a, a, a MacBook. I had a MacBook when I was a boy. Had the prettiest trucks in it. You'd flip through it and, and anyway. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And, uh, but, but. He's got a MacBook, and he's got, I don't even know what kind of, you know, Xboxes or what, you know, I'm not current with all that. Um, I'm, he's, he's, he's got a, uh, what, what was it, we're not, what, uh, Atari. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he's got an Atari. Uh, he's got a, what's current, what's, the, what's current right now, what, somebody tell me. Who, uh? He's got a PS4. Whatever. But. The kid never even knew what he was missing until a new guy comes in and lets everybody know how bad he's got it. That's sad, isn't it? And that's an, an illustration of what I'm talking about here. You only feel slighted when you start comparing. You thought you were happily married until you saw, wow, what a, what a hunk she's married to. Oh, man, we went to the Christmas party, and did you see her husband? Whoa, man, what a hunk. Um, maybe hunk's not even a word. I'm, you know, I'm every, every illustration I use is about 20 years old. But anyway, uh, but, but you, you, you thought you had it until you, wow, until you met that. You only feel slighted when you start to compare. You're in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 12. Paul said, we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. Comparison is a lack of wisdom. Not just the action of comparing is a lack of wisdom, but the actual comparing, you don't have all the facts. See, if we did go around the room tonight and list for one another, and it would be completely foolish to do that, but if we did, let's everyone one at a time stand up and tell us how you have a left-handed blessing in your life. We would all name what we think of where we got shortchanged. What we wouldn't list, because what if we're not wise, what we don't pay attention to is how awesome God has been to us. Or let's, let's put it this way. This guy covets what that guy has, not even realizing that, that, that he has things that that guy doesn't have. And when I say things, I'm not talking about things. I'm talking about blessings in your life. While you covet the great aspects of somebody else's life, you forgot to factor in the liabilities. And you didn't factor them in because you don't even know what they are. When you listen to that person at school that's always talking about how awesome their life is, Understand, one reason people brag about their lives is because they don't feel secure in their lives. And so what they're bringing up to the conversation doesn't contain. Okay, so they come and they talk about, oh, yeah, well, me and my dad, we went out 
we went out quadding, you know, four-wheeling, whatever. We, I mean, we were just out there all weekend. It was great. And, this, and he said, man, I would just like to ride a quad one time. And he goes quadding every weekend. What he never mentions to you, because maybe you've never asked, is that he loves the fact that you go home to the mom and a dad every night. The reason he goes quadding with his dad every weekend is because the weekend's the only time he sees his dad. And he doesn't mention how many times he's cried himself to sleep because his mom and his dad aren't in the same house. There is a guy in his house Monday through Friday, and he's just supposed to get used to him being there, but he's not related to him. And it's killing him. And so while you're coveting his quad, he's coveting the fact that you go home to a mom and a dad every single night of your life. And you think that's no big deal. That's no big deal. The guy with the quad thinks it is. I'm saying comparison is not wise because you never, you don't know all the facts and we, none of us factor in all the facts. You take that to any level. That's a very simple illustration, but you take that to any level of life. And comparison is just absolutely foolish. If you went to, we're not going to go there now, but if you went to, John chapter 21 of the famous story where Peter meets the disciples on the shores in Galilee. And uh, they come and they have some breakfast there and Jesus makes some fish for them and they eat. And Peter helps, um, Jesus helps Peter deal with his denials. Lovest thou me more than these? And he, he is, what he's saying there, and, and I've heard that applied many different ways, I believe, with all of my heart, and I think it's very clear that what he's doing. Remember, Peter said repeatedly, though all men betray thee, I'll stand by you. And what was Peter saying? He was saying, I love you more than these guys do. I am more loyal to you than they are. Though all men betray you, I will not. And Jesus said, Peter, do you still love me more than these guys do? I believe with all my heart that's what Jesus is saying. And he asks him three times because it was three different times that Peter had denied Christ. So Jesus, and he so just such grace and mercy there as he reaches out to Peter in love and helps him get restored in his mind and his heart and, and opens the door for him to come back. And Jesus talks, feed my sheep. In other words, you're, you're, you're going you're to take the baton here. You're going to lead this flock. So that you read the story, read this and see if this isn't right. They get up to go. And they start to walk and Peter turns around and sees John. And after Jesus has been so awesome to Peter, Peter turns and points at John. And he says, what about him? <laughs> In other words, okay, that's what you're going to do for me. What are you going to do for him? Not sticking up for John, but what you're doing for me, how does it compare to what you're doing for him? And Jesus says to Peter, what is that to you? What do you care? Listen, Manasseh got the blessing that God had for him. Why should he have cared what his brother got? 
If you're doing the perfect will of God for your life, God's perfect will for you is God's perfect will for you. And it has nothing to do with God's perfect will for somebody else. And all you should be concerned with is what God has for you. That's a hard lesson to learn. And can I tell you, you'll learn it at new levels for the rest of your life. How do I know that? Because I've heard men that have been at it much longer than I have tell the stories of how they still have to battle it. Much higher levels than I'm at, but they still have to battle this idea of what God has done in my life versus what he's done in somebody else's life. Let me take a time out here and say that one of the greatest things we can teach our children is contentment. Be content with your circumstances. Be content with your possessions. Be content with the things that you can't change. Look, now, I don't mean be content with mediocrity, but you can change mediocrity. I'm not talking about being content with a C when you could have gotten a B. But that's something you can change. I'm talking about being content with what you cannot change. Well, listen carefully, mom and dad. You can't teach contentment if you're not content. Because you can sit and tell your kids all day long, be content, be content, be content. But they can tell by your lifestyle that you're not content with the things that you can't change. How is it, and I say for about the 20th time, and hopefully this is the last time, let me say again that there's no indication that Manasseh ever complained about getting the left-handed blessing. Do you know one reason I believe he was so content? Because is there a greater example of contentment in the whole Bible than Joseph himself? Joseph was dealt just about the worst hand of anybody in the Bible. And yet he's the picture of peace and contentment. And maybe that's why Manasseh, you never hear a peep from him about, that's not fair. He got a left-handed blessing. He lived with it. So I said, first of all, if you feel like you've got a left-handed blessing in some area of your life, you only feel slighted when you start comparing. I want to say this. Secondly, the life that God has for you is the best life there is. And you say, wait a second, you're talk, but, but you're talking about the life God has for me. You read the story again. We already read it. Read the scripture again. The reason that Jacob kept his hands where they were when his son tried to correct him was that Jacob knew that God had especially big things for the younger son. Now, if he hadn't said that, I would have been tempted to think, and probably this is what Joseph's saying. Dad, I know your story. I know how you fought like a dog to get your brother's birthright and blessing away. And I get that, and I respect that, but these are my sons. And I want the oldest to have the but that was, If I was Joseph, I might have been tempted to think that. And as I read this story, I'm tempted to think that until I see that Jacob said no. No. God has something big. For Ephraim. He's going to use Manasseh in a big way, but God has something. So this is not about what Jacob wanted. This is about what Jacob knew God had. 
And again, I say that's why the blessing of a man who knows God matters. Turn to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We were in 2 Corinthians 10. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Very familiar passage, but sometimes a, a passage can get familiar to us so we don't turn there anymore, so we forget what it really says. So let's go there. And it's, it's a little longer, but I want you to see it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Chapter, uh, verse number 14. 1 Corinthians 12, 14. We're going to read a few verses. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now God hath set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. Paul's saying, hey, everybody can't be the eye. Everybody can't be Ephraim because God has a job for Ephraim to do. He has a different job for Manasseh to do. Everybody can't be the hand. I, I, I used to struggle with looking at men like what the Bible would call five talented men. Dr. Jack Treber is a if you ever get the chance, if you're ever in the, in the uh, Oakland area, San Jose area, and you have some time to visit the North Valley Baptist Church and, and uh, the Golden State Baptist College, and to me the most impressive thing that I, I've visited, I don't know, it's been, it's been eight or nine years ago, but they gave us a tour. They had just built a new building, and the new building is beautiful and, and impressive. It's great. But what really stuck with me was the old building. Because in the old building, they had a square something. I forget what. They, just, they, they had a very small amount of space. And Dr. Treber just absolutely, I'm talking about he optimized, I am not kidding you, he optimized every square inch of that place. It is just absolute brilliance i mean if i was just a designer if i was an engineer i would just want to go there to learn some lessons it was brilliant dr treber is gifted in that way i would also recommend to you by the way if you're not familiar with pastor treber to get the um let me peek the hope i didn't lose my message right there the k n the k n b c i think that's what it is the k n b c app that's their radio station. It's an internet radio station. And uh, I, I think most of you would love it. If you're more, you know, on the twangy side of things, it may not be your favorite one, although they go there sometimes. But it's, it's, it's some of you I've recommended, you've listened, you say, oh, pastor, where that's been? You know, you, where's that been? But uh, you've had me listen to this southern junk. But anyway, um, you would love KNBC. But, but, and you'll hear them on there speak. But anyway, I get so frustrated, used to get so frustrated with a man like that because he is a five-talented man. He can do it all, and he's great at it all. One day, probably, I don't know, seven years ago, I heard Brother Fisher in a very small pastor's session at, at, uh, in Wallingford. 
say this to a group of maybe a dozen pastors. He said, guys, I'm not a five talented man. He said, now there's, there's a few out there. And he, he listed a few. He said, but I'm not. He said, but I'm okay. You know, Pastor Brother Fisher, I'm okay with that. He said, if you're not a five talented man, you need to be okay with that. And I thought to myself, I'm not okay with that. And here's what he said that changed me. He said, you're not a five talented man because you don't need to be. He said, God has given you the talent to go with what he's called you to do. I sat and I thought about that. He said, if God ever has you to do something that requires five talents, he'll give you those other talents. He said, for now, you've got the skills you need because God has given you the gifts to go with your calling. He said, all you need to worry about is if you're in the middle of the will of God. He said, if you're in the middle of the will of God, God has gifted you to go with his, the gifts. He's given you the gifts to go with your calling. Wow. So everybody can't be the eye. Everybody can't be the ear, the hand. Um, <laughs> somebody's got to be the armpit. <laughs> but can I say to you? I think the most greatly rewarded people in heaven will be those who are willing to be the armpit if that was God's will for them. I'm talking about the servants. I'm talking about the behind the scenes folks. I'm talking about the people that not only do they always wind up doing the dirty jobs, but they're very happy with it. Third thing, and we're done. I said, first of all, you only feel slighted being getting the left-handed blessing when you start comparing. Then I said, the life that God has for you is the best life there is. But here's, here's the clincher, and we'll, we're finished. A left-handed blessing from Jacob was better than any blessing from anybody else. Listen to Psalm 84.10. David said, I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. He said, I'd rather work outside God's house than be inside anybody else's. Let me show you something that maybe never dawned on you before. So here's Manasseh. He gets the left-hand blessing instead of the right hand, and he could have been tempted to say, that's not fair. I got slighted. But I say that a left-handed blessing from Jacob is, is better, Jacob is better than any blessing from anybody else. How many sons did Jacob had, have? Twelve. Okay. How many tribes are there in Israel? Somebody help me. Twelve. Twelve sons, twelve tribes. Can anyone tell me why there's no tribe of Joseph? Because God took Joseph out and replaced him with his sons. He said, well, wait a second. Twelve minus one plus two is still thirteen. Yeah. There's no tribe of Levi in the Old Testament economy. Why? Because God called the tribe, the sons of Levi, to be his servants, and they received no inheritance. So God took Joseph, by name anyway, out, and Levi out, and he put in their place Ephraim and Manasseh. 
So the other ten tribes of Israel were sons of Jacob, but those two tribes were grandsons of Jacob. Manasseh, you've got nothing to complain about. So you got the left hand. You, all your cousins, your masses and masses of cousins, God's given something to you that none of them received. You became a tribe of Israel was named for you. (laughs) You did all right, Manasseh. I say again that a left-handed blessing from Jacob is better than any blessing from anybody else. Do not buy the lie that, yeah, I I got a left-handed blessing because I could list all these things that I got gypped on. I got gypped. Take the ball and run with it. We got, uh, I'll tell this, we'll be finished. We are finished. But we, uh, 95% of our time in the last week was spent in the hospital or overnight. My wife and her brother stayed at the hospital and our family, uh, me and Joe and Amanda went back to um, Granny Hayes' house and we uh, uh, slept there. But uh, we spent all of our days at the, at the hospital in the ICU waiting room. In fact, I just noticed I still got the sticker. Been there, done that, got the sticker. But anyway, um, but during one of the breaks, this is the highlight of the whole trip. I'll show you the pictures if you want to see it. Uh, this really wasn't the highlight, but, but uh, the, the, yeah, the, one of the highlights of the trip is there's a restaurant in Panama City. It's a chain down south. It was started, if you remember, Whispering Bill Anderson, the country singer. Uh, I'd say how many remember, but it would be me, my dad, and Natalie. And, um, but Bill Anderson, and he used to have a song back in the 50s, I think, or 60s, called Poe Folks. And uh, he started a chain of restaurants called Poe Folks. And it is, it is southern cooking to the max. I mean, it's just, it's, it's awesome. So anyway, so we went to Poe Folks for supper one night. We were over that way, and, and um, Amy said, take me by where I went to school, if, where I went to school and church. So we were drown, drove down by the school and the church. And so I said, I said, show us, we've been there before, but I said, I don't want to see it again. I want the kids to see it again to where you lived. And that turned into, we just took probably 45 minutes to this site, that site, where, uh, you know, where I worked, where this person lived, where that person lived. And, and um, it, was, it was great. But we're driving along. And my wife said, you know, she said, we've been through a, a, just, just an incredible, difficult time. We moved up from Fort Myers. Fort Myers is like the southern tip of, of Florida. And they moved all the way up to um, to Panama City in the panhandle up there. And she said it was starting over. She said, I felt like here I am in, in high school. What, what year were you in? Junior year of high school. And she felt like I, I've got a new life now. Because everything in Fort Myers was just nightmares, headaches, pain. And she said, now I've got a new life. And she said, I'm, I'm in this. I was in public high school in Fort Myers. Now I'm going to this nice big Christian high school. And uh, now I'm in this, this big, nice, exciting, friendly church. It's all good. She said, but one of the things that, that changed my life is I started hanging out with this, this girl. And she said, they were, 
strong Christian family. Father was very successful and strong marriage. And she said, we had nothing. And she said, they had everything. She said, they had everything anybody could want in in family life. And she said, here's what changed and helped me. She said, she didn't even seem to notice how bad I had it. I mean, not, not, I mean that's not right. Let me put it in a better way. I, because this is in a good light, but I made it sound bad there. She said, they were, they were well off, not just financially, but spiritually, home, everything. She said, she never seemed to notice that we were poor. That's, that's what I'm saying. She treated us just like we were on a level with them. And she said that, that changed me. Listen, my wife, and I'm not trying to exalt her tonight because there's so many stories like this here in the room, but my wife was given a left-handed blessing. And she took it and she ran with it. Now I ask you, what are you going to do with yours? Say, man, somebody else got the right hand. I got the left. Okay, what are you going to do with it? I could go around the room to adults in the room that got handed a left-handed blessing. And they took it and they ran with it. They gave it everything they got. And strangely enough, now they're the person that other people are are envious of. What are you going to do with your left-handed blessing? Stand up with me tonight. The piano.